1: Today on the Zabe cast, is Le'Veon Bell a fool or a pioneer? I say, a little bit of both. Meanwhile, why did Jimmy Butler want out of Minnesota in the first place? Well, it's complicated, I've found out. Andy Poland swings in to enjoy the view from first place, plus an old-school Andy episode on the 1970s Marquette Warriors. All that and more in your essential Sports Talk Day starter. It's locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go!
0: Oh, ho, 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 ho. Here we go!
1: Tuesday, November 13th, 2018. Thank you for downloading, before I get into the show, a couple of admin things. Number one, no more late Mondays. I've decided... That didn't work out like I thought. Number one, I got you guys used to getting the podcast fresh and early on your driveway at 4 a.m. or I think that's when I release it. Release the hounds overnight. So I've gotten you accustomed to that. I can't fuck with your routine. If I'm going to give you the Zabe cast at 4 a.m., I got to give it to you. Whether I fart into a mic for 40 minutes, please don't do that. Or whether I give you the greatest podcast ever. So that was a one-time thing; won't happen again. I will just—I'll work harder during the day on Sunday. I do—I do fuck off on Sundays. I'll be perfectly honest. I sit there and I watch the games, and I say to myself, "You know, I should really be getting some stuff together for the podcast." And I—I I swear, okay, nah, as soon as the next time I'll—I'll I'll get the laptop, I'll get out there, and I'll—I'll I'll start writing some things and research. And ah, you know, okay, how about after dinner? And then after the first half of the Sunday night game, before you know, it, it's two a.m. And I was not drinking on Sunday night. So, hey, how about that? I know what you're saying. What, you want a cookie? What, you want a cookie? Sorry. Anyway, so that'll be number one. Number two, I am going to go back to the traditional You Are Looking Live for Friday's Football Five Ways podcast, which is a high-energy, run down all the games, give you a nugget or two, let Mr. X chime in with his thoughts on the game, And then move on to the next one. I realized the format I tried last week didn't work for a number of reasons. Number one, the very fine steakhouse we were in was very quiet, the bar area. There was one or two other customers in there, and we were in the corner booth. And once I ramp up my broadcast voice to full steam, it gets very loud. And people are like, look, what's going on over there? And I was just sort of hush-hush, and Mr. X was hush-hush. Not good on the energy front. So that's going to go back to being the way it was. One more thing, and that is uh, the following email I got from J.P. Z-gar-licky. Zgarlicky. He says, Zabe, I still haven't gotten the ale coin. Not sure that I care, though. It's just the principle of it. Football Five Ways Friday is meh minus, probably because it's all sports. It's so structured, it's like you have to do it, and that's how it has to be. So, I'll probably be canceling. I have no idea what $5 dollars will be paying for after football season. It needs to be better. Thanks? Question mark? J.P. Zagarlicki. Well, there's a couple things in here to untangle. Number one, you will get your coin, my friend. You'll get your coin if I have to hand deliver it. I shall leave nobody behind. I apologize again to the small number of people that have been victims of the great Coin mailing fiasco of 2018. So we're going to get to the coin. Number two. You may cancel at any time. I do not want to be the guy that makes it hard for anybody to cancel. I want to have a doggy door of coming in, coming out. I want you to voluntarily give me your five bucks a month. And I want to deliver a great product. So you may cancel at any time. Thirdly. I don't know what my $5 will be paying for after football season. Well, that makes you and me together. Because I don't know yet what we're going to do after football season. Oh, I have some ideas. And I have some concepts. And I have some reservations. And then I have some things I'm like, oh no, this would be really good. So, question. For everyone who is a subscriber, and for those that are not... What would you like the special Friday show that is tucked behind the paywall, very low paywall of $5 a month, what would you like that to be? You, you want it to be non-sports? I'd be happy to do that. Do you want me to get together some of my uh, show characters for a big round table? Do you want me to work hard to get high-profile, big-name guests to sit down with me for extended interviews, sort of like a Roy Firestone, uh, you know, uh, oh, what was the name of the show, Roy Firestone, the Roy Firestone show, I think, where he would sit there, and tell me about your childhood, interesting, I don't know if those interview shows or those long form interviews matter, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I love it when you do those, other times people say, yeah, but you know what, on certain topics, I'm like, nope, I had both responses from the interview with Jane Levy who did the Babe Ruth book. Some really positive ones. That was great. That was interesting. Didn't know that about him. I'd read the book if I could actually read or cared to do so, but I'm not going to, but I learned a lot. Thank you. And then other people are like, boo, baseball book interviews during football. Boo. So I'm open to suggestions is all I'm saying. So let me know. And I will take that into consideration. We've got about a month and a half to figure it out. Maybe a little bit longer, because I guess I'll do some football five ways through the end of January. But then after that we gotta we gotta find something. And we will. We will. Alright, let's talk Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell apparently is not going to show up and by Today, when you download this, today is the day. The day to show up day for Le'Veon Bell. And apparently all the reports are saying not going to happen and he is not going to show up. Okay. Is he an idiot or is he a pioneer for how to treat these situations? Good question. I'm not entirely sure. I think there's a lot of merit to what he is doing. And I think he understands the dynamics of it that, hey, I don't want to play on a one-year $14 million deal. I really want a multi-year deal that's going to pay me thirty-five million to forty million guaranteed, maybe more, and then I'll see how long I can play after that. But I've got to get the multi-year deal down now. I cannot wait another season. Because if I play another season, not only could I get hurt, but I might not have as good of a season. And had Le'Veon Bell been playing this year, and had he lost touches and time to a healthy and now cured James Connor who beat cancer then that kills his stock. That murders his stock. This is part of the reason why any college basketball prospect who has solid info that he is going to go in the top 15 anywhere near the lottery go. Do not go back to school. Do not fall for the okie doke of well get my education and I'll still be good at basketball you want to go when you can trick pro scouts the most. You go when you when they are lathered up like you are the real deal because, remember, error of recency. People remember what they last saw. They don't remember everything. So if Le'Veon Bell were to play, had played this year and had played not so great and if James Conner had stolen his spotlight, like he probably would have in some regards, it would have killed his ability to get a big deal this next offseason. I believe Le'Veon Bell will get a big deal from somebody this next offseason. There are teams that have money that definitely have a need for a big-time running back, which people still think Le'Veon Bell is. The Jets will be one to throw money at him. The Colts need a running back as well. The Texans might be in the mix there, although I'm not sure about how much money they have. The Redskins might be in the mix. I hate to say it, but it's true. And it may not be the worst decision either. can't believe I'm saying that, but okay. Somebody's gonna pay him. And the thirty-five to forty million guaranteed is better than playing on fourteen million guaranteed this year, and then looking at possibly next year, he might have only been given a one year, eight million dollar look see deal for it if he, and especially if he was coming off a major injury, he might have gotten one for eight. So when people say, well, he'll never make up the fourteen million, true, you can't make up time once time earning time has passed and the earning window of an athlete is finite. Once you lose that, it's gone forever. I get you on that. But I think that he might have ended up playing this well, provided if he can get a deal in that thirty million to $35 million guaranteed range. He might actually have done okay. Here's the flip side to it with Le'Veon Bell. If you're going to do one of these power moves, you have to be a professional about it. You have to not be fucking jackass like he is you have to treat it very seriously you have to put on a good front to the media you have to talk in very measured tones look this is the best thing for me i don't want to play under this tag i told the team that repeatedly they didn't meet my market price or what i thought would be my market price they wouldn't release me either and i'm just going to take the year off but i'm I'm going to be in pristine shape i'm going to train 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 i'm not going to you know post instagram posts of me jet skiing and shit I'm not going to taunt or torment the team. I'm going to say very simply, I'm not playing this year. Thank you. And I will walk out the door a free agent next year. If you do that, you have a much better chance of getting a deal from a new team because they look at you like, I know this is a novel concept, a professional, which Le'Veon Bell does not look to be. And maybe you say, well, Le'Veon Bell can never look that way because look at his previous suspension for marijuana use. Does he look like the sharpest crayon in the box? The answer is uh, no, obviously. But if he does this, if he does kind of blaze a trail in which players are really confident of their ability to get a long-term deal if they just sit out a year, or if the threat, like Le'Veon Bell may end up being a huge boost to any number of free agents to be, any other, any number of franchise tag players, especially running backs, who will threaten to do exactly what Le'Veon Bell did to scare the living shit out of the teams that are going to go down this route. Sort of a, hey, it's happened before. And even though the Pittsburgh Steelers made the playoffs and they went however far and they got James Conner, who was great, they didn't like the fact they didn't have a year of production out of a, a back like Le'Veon Bell. And especially if if you know Connor is in the concussion protocol for any time, or if he's hurt, then that would really screw him. The mere fact that Le'Veon would have blazed this trail, done it once, could scare people. And part of me does like the fact that Le'Veon Bell has essentially jumped out of the trunk naked with his big old bird's nest of pubes like Mr. Chow in the movie Hangover, grabbed a crowbar, and just started wailing on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, you're going to franchise tag me again, huh? Okay. You want to fuck on me? You want to fuck on me?
0: Hey, go home! Whoa! I'm with you, I'm with you! You're going to fuck on me? Nobody's going to fuck on you! We're on your side! I hate Godzilla! I hate him too!
1: <laughs> I hate
0: him! He's destroying cities! Please! <laughs> Fuck on you. Oh, yeah. You, I'm with you. You're going to fuck on me.
1: You're no. going to. Le'Veon Bell is saying, You're going to fuck on me and give me that franchise tag again? No, I'm going to get a crowbar, jump out of here, and, and just straddle your neck and start beating your ass with this thing. Stay tuned for that. Jimmy Butler. No! Oh, sorry. Jimmy Butler's going to the Sixers. I don't know. I guess I'm in the minority, and I think that this is such a tasteless, such a terrible way to force your way off a team. But it is the NBA where, unlike the NFL, players have insane amounts of power. Like, it's almost the mirror opposite. And Jimmy Butler is going to sign a contract this summer that's going to pay him the Supermax, and he's going to get five for 199 5 years, 190 Damn near $40 million a year. That's outrageous. That's ridiculous. There's no way Jimmy Butler should make that much money. Nobody, well, I don't want to say nobody should make it. It's overpaid, in my estimation, compared to the player he is. Statistically, he profiles almost exactly like Bradley Beal. His game is different. He's more defensive. He's a bit more intense. Kind of a hard guy to handle, pain in the ass you know, practice-wise and whatnot. But that's basically who he is nobody's talking about Bradley Beal as a guy you'd want to rip up your team for, pay the Supermax deal five for 194 Are Are they saying that? I mean, I would think not. And so he's forcing his way out of Minnesota a year early, a year early essentially, kind of like what Kawhi tried to do in San Antonio, or maybe he was legitimately injured, and this is going to keep happening around the league. I think it's a terrible look for the league. If I was the commissioner, I'd say, we've got to shut this down. If I was an owner, I'd say, oh, this is the first thing we talk about once we get to the collective bargaining table next time around. We, we can't have this. You know, the players make great money in our league, and we treat them great, unlike the NFL. We don't treat these players as a bunch of assholes. We promote the shit out of them. We celebrate them. We build them into stars. And for, in exchange for that, all we're asking for as owners is, hey, if we have your contract legally, could you play basketball for us? Preferably 82 games out of 82 games, because that's how the league used to be, barring serious injuries. Now you got rest days, and you got management days, and you don't play back-to-back days. It's soft. And now you got guys like Jimmy Butler forcing their way out of Minnesota. Here's what I didn't know. I Googled, so why does Jimmy Butler want out of Minnesota? <laughs> and I couldn't find a straight answer. Like, there wasn't one thing. He just wanted out. He was. He's like, he knows he's not going to stay in Minnesota. He wants to get a jump start on his new place he's going to play. And so he's like, well, why should I s- stick around? GQ has a story here written by Alex Schultz titled The Seven or The Insane Jimmy Butler Trade Demand Beef, comma explained. Number one, the inciting incident. NBA Twitter blows up after a bunch of reporters write that Butler wants out of Minnesota. He's the latest to engage in some pre-free agency maneuvering. With one year left on his deal, That he let the Timberwolves head coach Tom Thibodeau. He won't re-sign with the team next summer. You could argue, by the way, part of this is if a player of value like Butler knows he's not going to re-sign, he kind of owes it to the team to say, hey, look, you should probably trade me to get something left. Otherwise, I'm going to walk out the door. Of course, that simple heads-up is turning into a power play, a leverage play. Butler's preferred destinations, writes GQ, are the LA Clippers and New York Knicks, which is a real sentence and not a joke. (laughs) Stage two, family joins the fray. Andrew Wiggins, who's on the Timberwolves, has an older brother, Nick, who is overjoyed to hear that Butler wants to leave Minnesota, and so he goes to Twitter and he tweets... Hallelujah, smiley face, hands in the air. Okay, now you've got more intrigue. A top 15 NBA player in Butler's trying to leave his team a month before the start of the regular season. And some people now think that Butler might have, might have gotten with Carl Anthony Towns' girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. And, of course, people run to the Internet to try to find links and, in, and, and Instagram posts and pictures and everything else. Carl anthony Towns shoots down the rumors by saying, triple laugh cry emojis, hashtag fake news. There are so many thirsty women, though, that uh, have big duck lips and huge boobs and Instagram accounts that are out there for NBA players to have. Like, you should never, ever be fighting over just one of them. There's a million more behind where that came from. Then Jimmy Butler heads to Instagram himself and submits a 10-second video clip of him working out in the offseason, which, as GQ writes, is a daily requirement if you're an NBA player. It ends with him saying, hallelujah, keep that same energy, a clear reference to Nick Wiggins' tweet. Are you with me so far? Here's the audio. Come on now. Play for me. Oh.
2: Hallelujah. Keep that same
1: energy. Let the church say amen. Okay. So a little subtle back and forth. Then we have Stephen Jackson chiming in. Stephen Jackson is 40 years old. His time in the league is essentially over, although is he still playing for somebody? He was recently. I think he's out now for good. He chimes in and starts to weigh in on whether or not Nick Wiggins should have spoken up on behalf of his younger brother, Andrew. And apparently, Steven Jackson did not approve. Here he was.
2: This how the conversation should have went with uh, Andrew Wiggins and his brother when Andrew found out his brother sent out that tweet about hallelujah and all that, right? I'm Andrew Wiggins. Say, big bro, I don't think you should have sent that tweet out. Why you say that? Shit, because, you know, Jimmy Butler, man, he, he played with a lot of heart. He played hard. He played with a lot of heart. And I ain't got no heart. Now, you want to get on social media and talk about Jimmy, we lose him. Our team ain't got no heart. Now, if you're going to take me uh, to the Wizard and uh, help me find a yellow big road to give me a heart, then cool, you can talk about Jimmy all you want. Because, you know, I ain't got no heart. So, shit, you going to take that back or help or me find a yellow big road and take me to the Wizard, man, because, shit, I ain't got no heart at all. That's why Cleveland traded me. No bullshit. You ain't got no heart. And your brother, you ain't going to play basketball. Why you worry about that, bro? But like he said, keep that same energy.
1: (laughs) Well, you didn't think Wiggins would take that lying down, did you? He then posts, Wiggins does, in response, SJ slash old dudes, that would be Steven Jackson, slash old dudes, stay hating like he was anything special, bum ass. I keep that same energy everywhere I go. <laughs> then Steven Jackson responds again by posting a video of him literally blowing smoke alongside the caption. Have a good year, little one. This ain't the smoke you want. God bless. Somebody at little one for me. It's unclear, writes GQ, whether Jackson doesn't know how to at somebody on Instagram Again, he is 40. Or if this is a power move. I, I, don't, I don't know about any of this. I find it amazing that it doesn't seem to affect the NBA's popularity whatsoever. That fans of the NBA, they just roll with it. It's so utterly juvenile. And Timberwolves didn't get back shit in this trade compared to what they should have for an all-star. They should have gotten at least a first-round pick back. They didn't. They should have gotten at least a near all-star or a single all-star player in the deal, which they didn't. Um, but they had to dump him because he was just killing him. Basically, he was. He said that you know after he played a little while, rested a little while, he said, Jimmy Butler, okay, that's it. I'm, after this game, I'm just not going to play. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And what could the league do? It's kind of insane you see this much power and this much jackassery uh, as a power play move on the NBA side, and football players whose careers are a blink lengthwise in comparison and are subject to far more injury and whatnot, when they try to do what they can, even if it's a power move, to get a better deal, the media, teammates, most of the fans, like Jay, turn on the athlete and say, who the fuck is that guy? Get in and play. Why is the same outrage not directed at a Jimmy Butler for being a jackass who's trying to engineer his way out of Minnesota, which he now apparently has? Enjoy Philadelphia and Philly. Please do me a favor. Absolutely sign him to that massive deal. I can't wait. Just jump your put your feet in a two big buckets, pour a bunch of quick set cement in it, and jump in the water because you are going to quickly come to regret regret. That was weird. You're going to come to quickly regret paying Jimmy Butler that much money. All right. It is time for Andy Poland, my buddy in Redskin Crime, to enjoy the view from first place in the NFC East. Hello. Hello, Andrew Poland. How does the view look from first place? Yet again, fifth straight week for our Redskins in first place.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's odd, but you'll take it, right?
1: Dude, you got to take, you know, these seasons, every NFL season, as you know, comes individually wrapped in a thick brown wrapper where you don't know what's inside. So you got to take it and you got to run with it. Here's the thing, you and I know, and every Redskin fan smart enough to know, we're having a good season. Not great, good, just good, but we're not really building anything with Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to become bowl eligible, basically. I mean
1: <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good yeah, point. And if I'm, we and if we do win the division and host a playoff game and get rolled by somebody, we're just gonna go, okay, well, we at least had a home game.
0: Right? Yeah, well, it's it's like, you know, you watch Maryland in like the noon game, and you go, yeah, maybe they can win six and get into a bowl. And then you watch Alabama at 330 and you go oh, yeah, they're also a college football team. It's you know, same thing with the Rams and the Saints. I mean, it's a different level, right?
1: Yeah, it is. But that said, it's great. As I said today on my show on the Team 980, I said, look, I've seen that game that I saw on Sunday with the Redskins and Buccaneers. It's just I saw it with the uniforms flipped. We yeah, used to yeah. be them. We would right. lose games in the most horseshit, unbelievable, I-can't-believe-that-just-happened fashion. Now, this team's not doing that. It's a, it's a weird but very pleasing thing to see.
0: You know what this game was like? You and I can relate to this. I hope other people can, too. When uh, the Buccaneers played the Raiders in the Super Bowl, you invited me and my son, Jeremy, who was 11 years old, over to your house to yeah. watch the game because you had an early form of HD. In fact, they had to do a separate broadcast yeah. because you couldn't even, you know, have regular television and the HD broadcast. Anyway, uh, you said, I just bought a ping pong table. I said, oh, good. Well, Jeremy's really good. He'll beat you. And you said, <laughs> come on, he's just a kid, 11 years old. And what happened when you played him? He beat me. And how did he beat you?
1: By being better than me because he's eleven and that's all he does is play ping pong. No, he didn't work no, no. for a living.
0: You 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 called him the Great Wall of Potomac because oh. what he did <laughs> that's was right. he would just return every serve. He didn't slam anything, he didn't have any hard serves, didn't have any. Everything was serves. in
1: everything was in play. He let me make yeah. all the mistakes.
0: Yeah, so yesterday You were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And here's Fitzpatrick, who's like slinging it across the field. He thinks he's Steve Young. Uh, He's throwing it all over the place. And when he gets down against the goal line, kaplunk. The ball goes back. He hits it into the net. He hits it long. I mean, that's really 500 yards of offense. You shouldn't be able to win a game like that. But. Four turnovers. There's just no way that you can lose when you have four turnovers.
1: They ran the stats on it. Teams that average. There's been like 400 teams that have had 500 yards of offense since the merger. The mm-hmm. average points scored by those 500 yard offense teams has been 36 points a game. Yeah, Buccaneers I mean, got three. It, it, this was this was one of the most amazing statistical anomalies ever. But yeah, hey, yeah, it really wrap, it up, I, I, wrap it up and we'll take it because we've lost games that we should have won in the most spectacular of fashions. Now, the Redskins are plus 11 and plus minus, which I think is tops for the league. And Tampa uh-huh. is now minus 15, which is, I believe, the bottom. It does not compare to the most amazing plus minus year in Redskin history, Andy. Would you care to take us down memory lane on that one?
0: Yes, that was the year that they scored a then-record 541 points in 1983, later broken by the Minnesota Vikings. But they were plus 43 on uh, turnover.
1: Hold on, can you repeat that for the audience? What the
0: hell did you just say plus 43?
1: For a season, which I still yeah. think stands as a record, correct? Has to. Has yeah. to. <laughs> plus 43. So you do the math. Every single game, the Redskins were plus two and a half turnovers. Every single game on average.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's amazing. Now, Gibbs, Gibbs would quickly put anybody on the bench who fumbled. So, offensively, they didn't turn the ball over. But defensively, they're getting turnover after turnover after
1: turnover. It was amazing. Well, not only that, I think I looked this up one time. A game against the Chargers. I think the Chargers quarterback threw six interceptions.
0: Yes, I believe that was a game where Dan Fouts was hurt. His name was Ed Luther and i think that was a monday night game if You're i'm not
1: mistaken darn right it was and here i'm looking yeah. at the box score right now it was a it was on halloween night october 31st yeah. 1983 redskins won 27-24 ed luther started at quarterback you ready for this line here this is great ed luther 19 of 36 six interceptions
0: <laughs> that six is the six. game by the way that's the game where you have the great Rigo story. you've heard that one right? Uh,
1: uh, no where he was do tell
0: yeah well he he was uh, there's a Monday night game so they get there on a Saturday and immediately he goes out to Tijuana with somebody and uh, has a few. The next day, they're having a meeting uh, to get ready for the game. This is Sunday. It's a Monday night game. And in the middle of the meeting, (laughs) Rigo stands up, drops his fly, and urinates right on the floor. And he says, Coach, I've had a few, but I guarantee you, I'll be ready to go tomorrow night. Was this, <laughs> this was on the, the road?
1: This was on the road, this was.
0: Yes. I always yes. thought that and, was at Redskin
1: Park he did that, and I always thought that he at least discreetly pissed into the corner of the meeting room. No?
0: No, no. This was right, uh, as, I, as I was told, right in the middle of the room, left the room, and Gibbs acted he as if nothing he, had happened.
1: Like he turned around, and then he turned right back to the chalkboard and started diagramming right. plays.
0: Right, right. If it was a bit of backup, he'd have been cut. But it was Riggins, he acted like it didn't happen.
1: Rigo 29 carries, 93 yards, two touchdowns in that game. Uh, The Chargers turned it over eight times in that game. Six interceptions and two lost (laughs) fumbles. See, back in the day, and I don't know why this wasn't stressed more, and if you look at Joe Namath's game logs from back in the day, Mm The NFL in the 70s, they'd commit turnovers all day, every day, and be like, oh, well, it's almost like smoking. Like in the 70s, doctors smoked, people, they just thought, like, what's the big deal? Like well, turnovers was- had not been deciphered as a critical strategic element to control to win football games in the 70s.
0: Well also you have to realize this the rules changed on defensive backs dramatically in 1978. So prior to 1978 when you had guys like Pat Fisher playing, you could pretty much tackle the receiver. So
1: right. quarterback
0: throws the ball to the receiver, he's tackled and a defensive <laughs> back is free to pick up the ball. So that's why you had so many more interceptions.
1: Yeah. Now would you now people are going to say, "Well, this is why they got Alex Smith to not commit turnovers." That the old guy, old number eight, he was throwing for 300 yards a game, but we weren't winning because there was a couple mm-hmm. picks in there. Is that argument valid? And can an NFL team, Andy, just commit to being super safe, super smart, as Joe Gibbs would say, mm-hmm. and not commit turnovers? Is that a viable strategy to win?
0: Well, that's that's the 2,000 Ravens with an historic defense. This defense is like weird it's good I mean, how can you give up nearly it's not great yeah well you, you've given up over the last two weeks a thousand yards uh, so I, I mean it's not it's not a great defense it's an opportunistic defense when you play a quarterback like Fitzpatrick now you know let's see what happens the rest of the way but uh so far you know the as you say you only get 16 of these you put six wins in the cooler if you put two or three more in, probably three, you're in the playoffs. I mean, it's it's that's you don't worry about how you got them. You just get them, and that's what they've done.
1: Win now, get good later. That's what I always say yeah. about the NFL season. You can't have a meaningful team that's finally coming together as weeks 13, 14, 15, 16 comes around if you've pissed away too many chances in the first eight games because they all count the same. It's just, right. you know, you got to start out well. So that said, what is the number for the Redskins? And how many horses are in the race? One, two, or three? Well,
0: since they're all, the only team in the division with a winning record, I think that they can win it with nine. And the horses that are still in the race, I think the Cowboys and the and the Eagles are both in it. You would tend to favor the Eagles, but how about last night? I mean, how, how do you explain that?
1: They got punched in the face, and they've lost another corner in Ronald Darby, so they are really hurting in the secondary. And they're not what they were last year. So I would say – but here's the thing. The Redskins have to beat the Texans on Sunday at home because if you lose that, now you go to Dallas on a short week for Thanksgiving. That is going to be a very hard game to win, even though the Redskins have won it at Dallas on Thanksgiving before. That's a hard game to win. And you don't want to lose that because now you're suddenly two losses in a row with Philly on the road on Monday night. Trouble. Right, right. So so this is a must-win. The Philly game
0: is – the yeah. Philly game is is so huge. Almost no matter what happens in the next two weeks. Now I guess if they win the next two weeks, it's it's not as big. But if if they split or lose both, that could be the season right there.
1: Yeah. You know. That, that said, what'd you make of Josh Norman talking about the fans at FedEx Field and I'd rather play every game on the road.
0: Well, my knee jerk reaction was you ought to be grateful that those people are showing up to boo you. Uh, those are loyal people who've who've been there, who're paying the money to park and everything else that goes along with it. On the other hand, his this is his third year here, so I don't think I'd like to hear a perspective from a guy like Ryan Kerrigan, who uh, you know who would never say anything like that. He would never be
1: honest with you. He would just give you sunshine and roses. That's old Ryan. Understand,
0: Kerrigan. but 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 privately he might say to Josh Norman. Do you know what kind of a show this has been around here? Do you know? I mean, look, he was here for McLuhan, right? He was here for the the whole McLuhan thing. Yeah, no. So,
1: yeah, you I know, don't...
0: he's seen some of it. It, it. It's A lot of it is just dissatisfaction with a front office who seems to give them the middle finger all the way. Well, and a lot of fans just gave up, there's you know? A,
1: there's a difference between the stadium model being broken, which it is here, irre- irrever- right. irreparably with this building. Mm-hmm. And the fan base being excited that the team is playing well. The fans are still here. They're just home. They are not going to go out to that desolate, disfigured, awful concrete jungle in the middle of nowhere and fork over a lot of money. They're not going to do it. They're going to be at home, period. That's how it is. So you're going to get bad crowds. You're going to get a lot of visiting fans. And it is what it is. I just, you know, when it comes to Josh Norman, I said this yesterday, I'll say it again. Athletes, Andy, they have no idea what it's like to be a fan. Just like we have no idea what it's like to be an athlete. They have no idea what it's like to be a fan. So many modern athletes that have reached this level aren't even fans themselves. Like when they were young, they were already good enough that they were playing, playing, playing. They might have had a favorite player or two. They weren't dressing up with their dad in their uniform. Hey, Daddy, Papa, we going to win today? How's the (laughs) team going to do? Yeah, that's so true. They were playing. Yeah, that's right,
0: and that's, that's exactly right. And, and a lot of the guys in the league don't even know the league. Like, you know, they may watch some of the Monday night game, and I guess now with social media and stuff you know more, but i I give you a quick uh, George Stark story. Uh, when he was getting ready to play the Denver Broncos, uh, he gets a little pamphlet about who he's going to play and who he's going to face, and, you know, he, he reads through it, and then he, he lines up and he looks across the line of scrimmage, and he starts laughing. And he goes, you're a white guy. And his name was Rulon Jones. <laughs> right. he, said Rulon he, Jones. he was preparing all week to play Rulon Jones. Sounds like a brother. Assumed, <laughs> exactly. you know, yeah. He was a black guy. And uh, and so that, I mean, Rulon Jones was a fairly well-known name in the league. Mo- a lot of fans would know him. But here's George Stark, who's playing in the league and doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. You know?
1: uh, Jay Gruden told me in one of my chats on Friday with him, he said that uh, – a number of guys that they interview at the combine don't even know mm-hmm. which teams are in which divisions <laughs> and that's yeah. the state of modern fandom, right yeah. they don't yeah, care yeah. they're like they, they know the teams they're not sure about the divisions and they don't care. It's like when is my first bonus check clear because I'm going out <laughs> to buy a car which I can't blame right. them I'd do the same thing no, yeah exactly. uh, okay so so I think I think 10 wins it walking away. I think, mm-hmm. I think nine, you're going to need some math. And I think it's still going to be a pillow fight to nine wins. I think the Redskins will lose two of the next three games. And I think either the Giants or the or either the Cowboys or the Eagles will win two of the next three games. So we will right. be sitting here three three weeks from now with the Redskins holding on to a one-game lead, not a two-game lead.
0: Yeah, I mean it's been so long since they've been a front runner. The last time was ten years ago under Zorn, when they were six and three, and they managed to finish eight and eight. There was also the seven and one start in nineteen ninety six. They got to eight and three with a win at Philadelphia, and I was thinking they could fall into the playoffs from here. They yeah, missed it at right. nine and seven. So you don't know.
1: Okay. Uh, did you see where Craig Carton got convicted? Almost immediately. And here's the question I have for you. Craig Carton, for those that don't know, uh, the morning co-host of Boomer and Carton on WFAN, Andy's old radio station in New York City from many years ago. And Craig Carton apparently racked up a ton of debt on sports gambling and then started chasing it with a foundation that collected money and scammed people out of tickets all to cover his gambling debts. I ask you, Andy Poland, are you comfortable with leagues now and owners and teams pushing gamble? Gamble.
0: Yeah, I think gamble. I think legalized sports sports betting is is something different. Uh, the, the gambling debts that he racked up, I'm not so sure he would have been doing that. And you know, the kind of legalized gambling no, that no. we're talking about here. I
1: know, but I'm saying here is something that ruined a guy's life. And defrauded yep. a lot of people out of a lot of money, and the NFL is now, and the NBA is actively in on this. Going, oh, this would be great. Let's do it. Hey, everybody, gamble on our sport.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it, are you it's, okay with it? it yeah, I, I am because it's it's happened, you know, all over Europe. And uh, I look, I'm not a gambler, but the few times I've been with you to Vegas, I've yeah. really enjoyed that. You know, twenty dollars a year, twenty. Yeah, right. I mean. And, and, but what we, what amazed me most about that is that he was able to get that kind of money out of people for what was a ticket scam. Yeah. I mean, you're asking, he was asking for millions of dollars and people were forking that over for a guy who was a sports radio
1: host. That was odd. Well, I mean, he, had, he had a slick presentation. And if you ask enough have. people, they're going to give you money. I, uh, I did the whole gambling thing. Look. I think it's overblown. I think in the next five to ten years, a number of entities are going to go, is this all we're getting in terms of gambling? Like, our our revenues are not going the way we thought they would. I firmly believe that the people who like to gamble on sports already do, and that the amount of dollars that these teams think they're going to capture is way pie in the sky. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I, I heard we're going to have legalized gambling, I didn't say, oh, goody, now I'm going to go out and gamble. I would probably gamble once in a while, but I, I don't think I would do it on a regular basis. And you're right, the people who... But the one thing is, this will enable the, the revenue to be taxed. Yeah, I, and also, more of a watchdog on games that Funny could lines. be fixed. Well, yeah. yeah.
1: But, but instead of games being fixed, games are now being t- determined on horseshit replay calls, horseshit roughing the quarterback calls and idiotic right. player celebrations that cost teams 15 yards. So there is right. a thick element of random stupid that makes you go, you'd be crazy to bet on this game because who knows what's going to happen to tip it one way or the other.
0: Right. Well, but when point shaving, you do worry about college basketball because they're not getting paid allegedly. <laughs> right. So,
1: right. You uh, worry that, about it. You that, worry that, about that. it. Yeah. you worried about that unless you know which team's shaving points And then you crush that team and take it to the woodshed. Exactly. All right. Any thoughts on the Wizards before we get to an installment of Old School Andy here on the ZabeCast? The Wizards, not a good start. And now you've got guys going back and forth. How about Stephen A. going after John Wall for his nightclub antics at Rose Bar?
0: Well, I mean, look, somebody somebody tipped off Stephen A. Is is John Wall the only guy who likes to go out and have a good time? Uh, no. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, I was more interested in Wall whining after the Orlando game there about how he when he goes to the basket, he only gets two shots when he's fouled. He wants flagrance and other guys get it. You know, he's asking for the superstar treatment when, you know, I don't think he's one of the top five in the league. I mean he's good, but he's not that good. And uh, I, I just think that and then the then the back and forth and it just seems like a dysfunctional mess. Uh they'll probably write themselves, get to the playoffs, but they to me, they just don't look like a good basketball team right now.
1: And you're still on hashtag team Ernie. Unabashedly
0: but no, no no no. I would I, I would have no problem <laughs> if they fired Ernie. No. No no problem whatsoever.
1: But, but you're you're not it, advocating it, for it.
0: Well, if you do it now, I don't think there's going to be a, a significant change in the way this team performs this year.
1: No, but agree it, agree the cake is baked, and we are locked in like a mobster yeah. with cement shoes to Wall's contract and Otto Porter's contract, and we're going to sink to the bottom of the river with that. But I have never heard you, Andy, once advocate for the firing of Ernie.
0: Well, I, I, again, I, I would not be opposed to it. I also... It, That's I find different it, from I find
1: advocating. It, you, I hear I, I, how well, you're dancing all, up to
0: this. Well, look, they, they almost admit that they shouldn't have Ernie when they secretly sign him to a contract extension. And Ted, Every other Ted, team in the league holds a news conference yes. to announce if it's signed him to a contract extension. Ted has to do it like incognito, in, in, you know, not let anybody know about it. It's bizarre.
1: It's frustrating because the Sixers just got Jimmy Butler, who I'm not a huge fan of. I think he's overrated. I think he's like... Bradley Beal, you look at their numbers, they're almost the same. Yeah. A little bit different type of player. A little bit different intensity, but I think he's way overblown and he's going to be overpaid soon here. Uh, but the Celtics, the Bucks, now, the Raptors, yeah. I mean our window is open for a hot second. It's slammed closed now. Even though LeBron, well, because- LeBron left the, the, the conference, Andy, and we're more buried than we were before.
0: Well, Milwaukee has the Greek Freak. Or this team has two really, really good guards and a, eh, a small forward, all being maxed out. So they've locked into guys who just aren't, you know, aren't the superstar level. I don't think. Yeah. Maybe Wall, we'll but that's it. All
1: right, yeah. time time for old school Andy. This is something we did on the sports reporters back in the day, where Andy would go ahead and walk us back in time. To remember mm-hmm. the important stories and milestones of sports of yesteryear, and we just hop on Uncle Andy's knee. Don't hurt him now; just go gently, and let's <laughs> let Uncle Andy tell us a story. Uncle Andy, Uncle Andy, what's the story for this week?
0: Okay, college basketball season is underway. What's the number one goal of every college basketball team in America? Final get four. to the NCAA. No, no, yeah. So,
1: okay, but, but if, first thing is make the tournament. Make the tournament yeah, to make. number one.
0: Make the tournament. That's the most important thing. In 1970, and you might Google, Zabe, the 1970 Marquette basketball team, you being a uniform guy. Marquette I think Warriors. Yep. Yep. They had, uh, it's very similar to what the Packers wear in those blue uniforms with the circle and the number in it. Oh, Only this yeah. one also had a. Racing stripe down the side of it. Uh, Al McGuire was the coach, and Al McGuire was a son of a bartender and a slick-talking New York guy. And Al loved basketball. He played for the Knicks for a while, but his main thing was recruiting. He had a, an assistant coach named Tubby Raymond, and Tubby did a lot of the X's and the O's. Al was the uh, Al was the guy who went out and got the kids, as he said, who had cracks in the sidewalks in front of their houses, and. Uh, <laughs> And so in 1970, he had put together a team that went 19-3 and three during the regular season. They were ranked number eight in the country. Now, in those days, the NCAA tournament only had 25 teams and only took three independent teams, which Marquette was at the time. They were an independent, and they sent Marquette, or they were going to send Marquette, out to a regional in Texas. Al didn't like it. He said, I don't don't want to go out to Texas. And he turned down the NCAA tournament to play in the NIT. Can you imagine that? I mean, that that would be unthinkable. Yeah, unthinkable. And uh, he takes his team. Now he's from New York, so at that time, all all the games of the NIT were played at Madison Square Garden. And they open the uh, the NIT against UMass and hold Julius Irving to eighteen points, only the second time all season he'd been held under twenty. They win that. They beat Utah, and then in the semifinals, and you're gonna love this, they played LSU with Pistol Pete Maravich who averaged 44 points a game during his college career.
1: Yes, he was the white Allen Iverson of the day. Very (laughs) fancy dribbler, unguardable scorer. (laughs) (laughs) He
0: They locked him up with a triangle in two. Dean Meminger, who went on to play for the Knicks, was a backup to uh, Earl Monroe and Walt Frazier on the 1973 championship team. Jackie Burke and Jeff Sewell, they held Pistol Pete to 20 points. He had 16 from the line. He managed to squeeze off only nine shots, and they won that game 101-79, and they beat St. John's in the championship game, shooting only 58% from the free throw line. Uh, off of that team, the following year, Al McGuire has his son, Ally McGuire, as the point guard. And they asked him, is Ali going to start? And he said, yes, Allie's my son. Of course he'll start. They have another guy on the team named George Frazier, who's the backup to Allie McGuire. And he says to coach Al McGuire, he says, I should be starting ahead of Allie. I'm as good as he is. And Al said, George, you're a good player and I like you, but Allie's my son. And I love Allie. So if you're (laughs) going to play, you're going to have to be a lot better than Allie.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And this was all public uh, record and nobody had a problem with this? Like, hey, this is nepotism. We're not starting the best guy?
0: Yeah. Well, they were good. They were a good team. And then uh, 1977, Marquette won the championship, and that was the last game of Al McGuire's career. He walked away from coaching at the age of 47 because the money wasn't that great in those days, and he became a big star on television. Tubby Raymond took over the team after that. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I love it. Good stuff, Andy. Always a pleasure, my man. We'll chat next week. Thanks, bro. Very good. Let's end on this today. I don't think this will ever become law, but you never know, and someone is actually proposing it. An employment agency called protecting.co.uk is pushing a proposal over there in which golfers would be required to wear helmets.
2: What the hell did you just say?
1: That's right, while playing the grand old game. According to this uh, agency, thousands and thousands of dollars are doled out each year in claims for head injuries caused by errant golf balls. The spokesperson for the group also says that golf needs more safety measures akin to those that already exist in other sports. Helmets, if you play golf. (laughs) I've played golf all my life. I've only been hit by a golf ball once, and it was not that serious, thank God. Whenever anybody yells for anywhere with an earshot, I duck and cover. I duck and cover like a mortar round is coming in. Because you know what? It's free. I can do it, and it's better than getting smashed in the face with a golf ball, because you never know. And do you look stupid? If you, like, duck down, and then you hear this, p- the ball land 30 yards away. Oh, I guess I kind of look stupid. Yeah, I'll look stupid every time. Instead of standing there going, ah, it's not going to hit me. Bam! And then just smashing my teeth in or fracturing my orbital socket. I don't think we need helmets. That said... If they were like football helmets, shiny, there's a gleam, men. If they were shiny and we had alternate helmets and throwback helmets and visors and face mat, I could cut. Ca- they'd get really hot though, wouldn't they? Yeah, they they would get hot. I would dismiss this from ever becoming law in the UK for the sport of golf, but there's always that chance because, believe it or not, I once read an article that said. In the U.K., you cannot get any ladders over like three steps without a special permit. So like for Photogs going over there, if they wanted to buy a step ladder, a typical step ladder that's in the U.S., six feet tall, you can't get that. You get like a two-step step ladder. that's it, because of health and safety laws that don't allow it unless you are a professional that has a special permit. So I won't rule it out. But my next trip to Scotland, if we have to wear fucking helmets, God help us. Pardon my French. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell three friends. More importantly, get the Zabecast app. The app is so great, it's absolutely free as well. It keeps all of these episodes in nice chronological order, including bonus episodes that come along for you subscribers. And it's uh, available wherever you get your ad. Your, your apps, whether it's Google Play or iTunes. Just search Zabe Cast. Remember, email me with topics and suggestions and feedback, zabe at yahoo.com. Now, go find that little butter patch shaped like a miniature turkey for Thanksgiving because my family gets those and I think they're so cool. It's just butter but it looks really cool until somebody takes a slice out of it. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.